President Biden in Israel. Why did he come? And what does it mean? Hi, and welcome to a special episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today, a special day with President Biden in Israel, we're talking with Joel Rosenberg in Jerusalem to answer those very questions. Joel, welcome. Glad to have you on uh, during this uh, incredibly important and critical time during this crisis in Israel. Thank you, Carl. Great to be with you. And yeah, it's not every day that the president of the United States comes to the epicenter. Now, he this is President Biden's second trip uh, to his credit. Last year, he was here. Although he came at a time when I wasn't here, so I was I took that I took an offense. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he was here to strengthen uh, U.S. Israel relations, and then you know went on to Saudi Arabia, which was very very interesting, uh, given the tensions between Saudi and the United States at that time. Things are getting better, so that's good. But look, it's very rare, Carl, as you know, for an American commander in chief to enter a hot war zone. Yeah. In this case, only 11 days old, like 12 days old. Like, it's not normal. Right. Admittedly, you know, American presidents have gone to Iraq or Afghanistan, but not in the early hours, the early days of the war. So why is he doing it? Why did he do that? Look, the reason is because <laughs> I, I want to be candid. I, I think President Biden genuinely loves Israel. Mm. Now, I also believe he's a bit bipolar, <laughs> And I'm saying that broadly, broadly speaking, and not yeah. clinically. You're not, you're not a doctor, and this is not a diagnosis. No, I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one <laughs> right. on television um, or even on a podcast. Right. But I think President Biden is a bit bipolar when it comes to his Middle East policy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he he was advised by almost everybody, don't pull the Jenga stick out of the game, out of the tower in Afghanistan as we approach the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Right. But he did. He was sure that it would be fine. He told us all. You know, the government wouldn't collapse. The Taliban wouldn't take over. But they, but he was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge loss and, and embarrassing and, and humiliating, actually. And he keeps giving billions and billions of dollars to Iran's leadership, even though they're the worst terrorist state on the planet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get that. I don't personally agree with it. Yeah. I mean, the Joshua Fund doesn't take a position. But I'm just saying, for me, I understand he, what, what he wants to do. He wants to try to persuade the Iranian regime to reenter the family of nations as, uh, you know, normal, uh, friendly players. It's not going to happen. No. Uh, he thinks it's going to happen. So that's one side of him. But the other side of him is that President Biden has described himself as a as a passionate Zionist. Yeah. Now, some people don't know what that term means, but it, it comes from the, the Mount Zion, which is right in the center of Jerusalem. And the term j- broadly means believing that God has a plan and purpose for Israel and the Jewish people to be here as a sovereign nation state, according to the biblical uh, promises. promises. And so Biden actually describes himself as a as a Zionist. So, And I think what we've seen in the last 12 days, basically two weeks now, we've really seen it, Biden's pro-Israel side come out. Now, again, this is not a political assessment. I'm not giving it a partisan assessment. I'm just saying as an actual observer, he loves Israel, and he sees Israelis, Jews butchered, slaughtered. Yeah. He described it on 60 Minutes yeah. this week as the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust, since the Holocaust. and he's right. Yes. And of course, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, uh, Tony Blinken, he is Jewish mm-hmm. and he's the son of a Holocaust survivor. So this is going visceral for them. And so, um, you know, Biden hasn't invited Netanyahu, you know, to the White House uh, all year, but now they're talking almost every day. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Biden is on the ground in Israel. Like it's a big deal yeah. standing with us 
at our worst and darkest moment yeah. since the sixth or since the really since the war of independence yeah. when seven Arab armies attacked us all at once. Well, Joel, is it? Do you feel like it's a, just a, a bit of political theater for Biden to be in Israel, or does he? No. Is he here for real purposes that really can accomplish something good? Yeah, I, no, I do not believe it's political theater, and I think that given, you know. And I'm saying this with respect, with the president's age and with all his other responsibilities, you know, he could just send the secretary of state over here. Secretary of state's been here twice already since the war began. The secretary of defense has been here like he's sending the top guns, but he decided to come himself. And this is a big sign. And, And I think I think he deserves credit because right now, you know, the last thing Israel needs is a partisan fight. Yeah. Or partisan divide in the United States over Israel. Yeah, like there's a big partisan divide over the Ukraine Russia conflict right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. right now, being supportive of Israel is a big bipartisan issue because people see the slaughter of babies, uh, some of whom have been decapitated, Jews burned alive in their cars, in their homes. Uh, gunned down at a, young people at a music festival. I mean, we're over we're over fourteen hundred Jews murdered in two weeks, and it. So, but he's got several reasons to come. The first reason is stand with Israel, like not just you know. I always say the only thing better than saying that you stand with Israel is standing in Israel, yeah, and uh, right. and I think that's important. So he's here, even and in then, the middle of a hot war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that shows even more, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be a fair weather friend, but when you're a friend who comes in the middle of a, of a war, uh, that's a big deal. That's number one. Number two, oh, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll add to that, you know, the famous uh, Jewish philosopher, Woody Allen, who said that 90% of life is just showing up, yeah. right? And so in this case, showing up is a big deal for uh, for Israelis. And I think yeah. for Christians uh, should be non-cynical. Yeah. You don't have to love President Biden on his you know, abortion issues or any issues, yeah. LGBTQ issues or, you know, whatever, like, but Israel needs a democratic president to, if, he, if he's in, in power to be pro-Israel. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, it's actually helped keep Israel from invading quite yet. Yeah. At least as we record this, because we're not going to invade while the president of the United States is inbound. Right. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that we're, uh, we're using this time to build international support and to persuade Palestinians in the north of Gaza, to get, get out, go I mean, south, because we don't want to harm you. If you're a civilian, we don't want to harm you. What government in the world gives the enemy four, five, six days to know that the invasion is coming? And tells but them I'm, which I'm, roads oh, to take. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Tells them which roads to take. And yeah, yeah. That's- well, and Hamas is blocking those roads yeah, and exactly. ordering Palestinian civilians not to leave. But the New York Times is reporting more than 500,000 have headed south. The yeah. number may be higher by now, and that's good. Yeah. Also, I will just tell you, knowing a lot of people, at least my sons know that a lot of people in these units, they need time to train. They, you know, When I was down on the front lines, we'll do a podcast on that, uh, I think, next, but I was down on the front lines, rockets blowing up over my head like yeah. it was crazy. But as I was... Down there, you could see streams of tanks on flatbed trucks and armored personnel carriers and troops just coming all the major roads, just more and more. So getting ready for war, you you can't do overnight. No. And there's a third reason he's here, uh, that he came, and that is because he also went to Jordan. He met with 
Jordan's King Abdullah II, whom I know personally, Egypt's President al-Sisi, also somebody I've spent quite a bit of time with, and Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas. I've not spent time with Abbas, but I have spent time with his number two, mm-hmm. who was part of these meetings, Hussein al-Sheikh. Why is he doing that? Because he's both and. Uh, you know, he, yeah, he's like, in a different I, way. <laughs> I'm standing with Israel, yeah. but I want the Arabs to know that I care for the Palestinians mm-hmm. and I care for their security too. Mm-hmm. One quick point on this. I did a column on it on all Arab news. What Biden and these Arab leaders were talking about, what they're saying they're talking about, they are. How do you help Palestinians? How do you provide humanitarian relief? How do you minimize uh, civilian deaths? All that's true. All that's true. But what's also true and not getting said so much is they're planning for a post-Hamas era. Got it. Right. They're starting to expect that Israel's going to keep its word mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and dismantle and eradicate the Hamas terror threat wow. in Gaza. So the question is, yeah. what happens the day what? after? Can there be a moderate government that's established? If there is, th- as bloody and bad as this is, Carl – this could be another precursor to Ezekiel 38 and 39, where Israel yeah. has to be living securely in the land. Yeah. You can't say that's happening today, you but know, Joe, yeah. a month from now, the world could be different. You, you raised some fascinating possibilities, and this is, this is such, I mean, that is such an incredibly robust set of ideas post-Israeli war. I mean, most of us are still caught off guard and, and, and still reeling from the realities of the current war. But but the reality is for policy makers and, and uh, leaders throughout the region and across the globe, you have to be thinking the next move, the next step. What comes after this? What would happen next? What is likely to happen? You know, President Biden will leave Israel. Uh, Israel will be faced with what its next move in Gaza is. And then we have to be asking ourselves, what comes after that? What do you, right. and, and you know, maybe it is worth much more than a, a short update podcast like this one, but, but just quickly, what do you think some of those longer term implications are for that kind of policy? Well, if I was in that room, uh, if I'd been in that room with uh, uh, these Arab leaders, uh, I think I'd be hearing things that I heard from them before, mm. which is, Publicly, you're hearing some criticism of Israel from them. That's understandable. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with them about this, right. but I, you know, they have Arab populations. Uh, Jordan is about seventy percent Palestinian, so of course you're going to have criticisms of Israel. I mean, that that's it doesn't really bother me. Okay, that's number one. Because number two, of course, they are saying. Uh, that their main concern is the the, the the humanitarian relief and compassion for the Palestinians. Good. That's Christians should feel the exact same way. And we want Israel to be super careful. And, uh, but it's hard because Hamas is hiding behind the Palestinian civilian population as their human shields. And of course, under Israeli, they're hiding behind Israeli hostages of which there are 199. But I also know that each one of these leaders hates Hamas. Okay, the Palestinian leadership, meaning Mahmoud Abbas, the Jordanian leadership in the king and the Egyptian leadership, they won't say it this way, but I'm telling you, they hate Hamas. They see Hamas as 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 slave masters of the Palestinians, not liberators. They do not consider Hamas the rightful, legitimate spokespeople or or guarantors of uh, Palestinian um, uh, success. Obviously, they've created a hellhole in Gaza where Israel withdrew in 2005 
So they could have had a Palestinian paradise. They've got beachfront property on the Mediterranean. They've got trillions of cubic feet of natural gas right off their shores. Like it, it literally could be a paradise and they've made it a hellhole. Yeah. And the last thing is, you know, inside the epicenter listeners and viewers need to understand that Hamas is an offshoot directly on the record, like openly they're an offshoot of the Muslim brotherhood, the original radical Islamist terrorist organization from Egypt, from the 1920s. Hamas was started in 1987 in Gaza with the explicit purpose of committing genocide and eradicating all Jews and all Israelis. That's their state admission. They don't want a two state solution, Carl. They want a final solution. Yes. Okay. They want to kill the Jews just like the Nazis did. And what's more, they would love to topple Sisi, King Abdullah, and Mahmoud Abbas. They hate, Hamas hates all of them. And those leaders know it. So Hamas is, is outlawed as a terrorist organization in Egypt. It's yeah. out, I mean, and the Muslim Brotherhood, I mean, as in Jordan and in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates. So you're not going to see it, but I'm just telling you, we're giving you an understanding on inside the epicenter that you're not going to get from the mainstream media because they haven't sat in these rooms. They haven't studied it, but I'm telling you behind the scenes, these, these Arab leaders are cheering on. Yeah. And they, uh, Israel's goal of eradicating Hamas. They, they, they are critical publicly and privately and, and sincerely of civilian deaths. We all feel terrible about it, but they know this war has to happen, and basically Israel's doing the dirty work that none of them couldn't get their hands dirty or with. willing to do. And yeah. so, but but they are planning for a post-Hamas era, and that's what we should be praying for. Yeah. Yeah. Pray that every Hamas leader gets converted tonight to Jesus Christ or dies tomorrow. I, yeah. I hate to be so blunt. I've met radical Islamist terrorists, and they've come to Christ. I want them to come to Christ before they meet their maker. But if they won't, then the Lord should take them off the map. But I also want all the Palestinians to be safe. And I want Palestinians to come to Christ. And um, and we'll go into that more on, a, on another podcast. But I, I, that's the short version. I was going to say, we've got to leave this here. And, you know, it's going to bring up questions about Iran. It's going to bring up so many other issues. And, Joel, there's nothing that I know our listeners would would agree with me. There's nothing that I enjoy more than connecting the dots between what the Bible has said, what the Bible and what current geopolitics is saying and what the Bible says will happen. And and I'm so grateful that you've been in the room and you've thought through and discussed these things with people and you're helping us understand this a little better. Thanks for interpreting and, and teaching us on these, these things. It's an honor. Thank you. I mean, I really think that this war in many ways is why this podcast was put on your heart by the Lord. You know, all the other things we talked about are important, but there's a moment when Christians are very hungry to know what's happening, why it matters, how they're supposed to see things, what it means prophetically. I did a whole article on all Israel news on Tuesday about the 20 mentions of Gaza in the Bible. I saw that. We'll deal with that in another podcast soon. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Yeah, we should put that in the show notes because this where else are people turning? Like they don't know where to turn. Yes. So this podcast, All Israel News, TBN, and most importantly, the Joshua Fund, because people are saying, I want to understand, but I also want to help. And I think I just want to encourage people. I'm not, you know, we're not twisting your arm. Give, don't give. 
But I hope you'll give. Like we, you know, not only was Israel blindsided by this war, the Joshua Fund was blindsided this, by this war. This is unbudgeted. But Carl, thanks to your leadership and the leadership of the of the Joshua Fund board, you guys are moving money out the door immediately. And we've it's been amazing to watch the team on the ground again. Another podcast. We'll go into more detail. But yeah. wow. Uh, the Joshua one has moved because we have a great network. We have a great team. They're Israelis. They're not foreigners. So they're not getting, they don't get, they're not getting evacuated. They're here under the rockets and I've watched them in action and I, and, and uh, I'm just so proud of them, but it's expensive mm-hmm. and we need, we need people's help. And uh, I hope that Joshua fund will be your trusted resource uh, for people who say, I want to help, but I don't know really where to give. I, yeah. The Joshua fund has done almost a hundred million dollars of investing in the church and humanitarian relief in this region over 17 years. We've got a lot of experience. We've got a great team and we've got a great network of Israeli and Palestinian trusted partners that we have vetted. And I just want to encourage people. We really do need your help. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. And it's a, it's a blessing to hear you say that. It's also a blessing to know that we are, that we serve a great God who is bringing together the resources and the boots on the ground through the Joshua Fund's humanitarian aid work and our partners to make a difference in the lives of so many who've been uh, hurt and uh, and traumatized. Uh, let me, if I could, Joel, just close with our verse of the day and, a, and sure. a brief prayer request for people. And again, thank you so much for this, uh, this insight from Jerusalem. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, our verse of the day today is found in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Oh, wouldn't it be beautiful if we saw God answer that prayer as we pray for peace in Jerusalem and throughout the Holy Land. Pray for these leaders and policymakers so that they will work for the future of the epicenter. 
And if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, you can visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn all about our Rapid Response Fund and other things that we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, and how you can participate in the healing work that we're doing in this critical region at this critical time. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the entire Joshua Fund team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.